Welcome to episode 76 of season 2 of the Search with Candor podcast. I am your host for this week, Jack Chambers Ward, and coming up on this episode is part 2 of my conversation with Garrett Sussman from the Rankable podcast. That's right, we had a part 1 on the Rankable podcast on Wednesday last week, and this is part 2 of Garrett and I teaming up for a super mega podcast crossover. We're going to be talking all about Google Perspectives, and I'm going to deep dive into Garrett's first-hand knowledge of Google Perspectives, because it's only available in the US, so I thought I'd recruit somebody based in the US so I could have a conversation with them and understand how a professional SEO feels about perspectives. Stay tuned for that, coming up in a couple of minutes. Social Candor is, of course, supported by the wonderful Systrix. They are known as the SEO's toolbox, and you can go to systrix.com SWC and check out some fantastic free tools, such as an href lang validator, a Google update radar, and checking your site's visibility index. Like I said, go to systrix.com SWC. You get all those fantastic free tools, and you can also give the full premium service a free trial as well. We've covered it a couple of times already on the show, but I really want to dive back into the most recent Sector Watch from the fantastic Charlie Williams, one of the data journalists over at Systrix, and talk about TVs. We've talked about the do content, basically the transactional content stuff, and why Curry's was doing so, so well. Now let's talk about the no content or the informational content. And for me... This is a surprise, and Charlie brings this up as well, actually. Artings is the site that comes up most prevalently and has the most visibility for informational content around TVs and types of TVs and all that kind of stuff. I'd never heard of Artings. I asked Mark as well. He'd also never heard of Artings. They are a Canadian company. They have actually surged in visibility over the last few years. And yeah, apparently a Canadian site is one of the definitive voices in organic search for TV knowledge and resources, essentially. It ranks for over 81% of the no intent keywords that have been analyzed and is on page one for over 59% of those keywords as well. In particular, it's their reviews directory, so slash TV slash reviews, that Charlie really kind of picked out and noticed. And if you're looking to do product reviews and you're really kind of trying to think about how you can best answer a lot of the product review update things that have happened recently, thinking about being objective, doing pros and cons, all that kind of stuff. This is a brilliant example of this, and this is kind of why I wanted to highlight it so much. It fulfills most of the criteria Google are looking for. It have, they have named authors, they named the best overall TV, different types of TVs, home theater, best range for like different price points, so like comparing budget TVs to more expensive ones, and what's the best budget, what's the best mid-range, all that kind of stuff. There's loads of links. It's a, it's a hub of links, which I always like to see. You know how I am about internal linking. Linking to alternative roundups, talking about smart TVs and gaming TVs and all kinds of stuff. And essentially, it does it all. It's a pretty impressive, for a site I'd never heard of, they really seem to know their stuff. And I'm very, very impressed by Artings and what they're creating here. So yeah, artings.com, that is R-T-I-N-G-S dot com slash TV slash reviews is a fantastic content hub to go and check out. One of the best sort of arrangement of project reviews, and they have excellent schema across the board as well, all of the structured data for those products, for those reviews, 
is all marked up very, very well. The headings and titles are kept fresh and updated. So they do like spring 2023 update because they've only just recently updated it as well. Building in that freshness, building in the expertise, the authoritativeness, and building up that trustworthiness overall as well. They're doing everything right. I think it's a really, really good example to go and check out. If you're thinking of doing product and service reviews on your site, you could go much further wrong than checking out artings.com and checking out Charlie's breakdown on systrix.com slash blog. And my guest for this week on Search with Candor, he is the host of the Rankable podcast, which we'll be talking about in a moment because this is a part two, folks. He's also the host of the SEO Weekly video series and the demand generation manager over at iPool Rank, the one, the only, Garrett Sussman. Welcome to Search with Candor. Jack, thank you so much for having me, sir. I, I can't wait. I love, 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 love the show. <laughs> thank you. We've just spent about half an hour already talking with each other, so we're fully warmed up. This is, in fact, a part two of our conversation. You can hear me on last week's Rankable podcast, and you can go and check it out on YouTube as well, right, Garrett? You can get the video content, get the audio content, come and see our lovely faces talking all about biases in search. And we're basically following up that topic this week by talking about Google perspectives, which I kind of teased a couple of times. I couldn't help myself just doing a little bit of a tease on the previous previous section, previous segment of this overall double podcast experience. So let's dive in, shall we? How have you found Google Perspectives? I heard you've been doing a bit of research, you've been poking around. You are based in the US, so you can get away with kind of experimenting and stuff, right? I have tried with a VPN a couple of times and managed to get it like once. So I am very intrigued to really pick your brain and get an idea of the kind of things you've experienced so far. So let's start with a really broad how has your experiments and, and research been so far? So, you know, it's funny to tie back into like last episode, we were talking about Google biases, another privilege. We were talking about how English language is a privilege. Being in the US with Google experiments, there are so many experiments that we get access to first, which isn't fair, but, but it is to your point, it is fun to be able to dive in. Same with the AI snapshot and SGE at first, although I think that's being rolled out across the world. Perspective, so a little context for those who aren't familiar. When you are searching for something on Google, there's a range of different pills, filters that you can choose from. I think most people are familiar with this images. Um, you know, anytime you want to just image results, you can click on the images pill and see just images. There's one for news, there's one for finance. And so perspectives is a filter that you can click on for most of most queries that tries to source specific experiential content and it's mostly pulling from social media like TikTok um tweets it pulls from YouTube videos and then it pulls from community forums like Reddit and Quora and the goal here is we know Google is obsessed with their whole like EEAT signals, trying to establish experience, expertise, authoritative, trustworthiness. You know, the expertise and authoritative and trustworthiness doesn't always capture like the actual personal experience. Um, and so I think for like, that's the goal of perspectives. It's a cool feature right now. I don't know if it's met my expectations as being a game changer. Um, 
I feel like when I look onto it, it's it's hard to it's almost like Google Discover. Like it doesn't feel like <laughs> there's a rhyme or reason. Like like most people don't up. know Discover exists. I I, ex I explained the concept of Discover to my wife literally like two months ago, and she's like, I have never heard of this in my life. Like, great, all this content, all these people are creating. Like, I'm optimizing for Discover to an audience of like six people. <laughs> well, that's the thing. I mean, dude, like SEO, even SEOs are confused. I remember a couple years ago or a year or so ago, I was like using Discover. And I was like, oh, I've noticed this in the in the Google app that's different from search, and people are like. Well, that's a completely different like engine, a different a different environment. I was like, oh, but then you hear someone like Lily Ray talk about clients who have like millions of organic visits from Discover. And you're like, yeah, okay, well, maybe I should not completely ignore <laughs> that. And I wonder to what extent perspectives is like that. Um, but but so perspectives, I wonder if people are going to use it. You know, like SEMrush actually did a 2022 study where they looked at the whole zero click phenomenon, right? Like zero click or clicking on organics or clicking on ads or clicking on Google navigational features. And they found that like only 10% of clicks are navigational features and like 9% of those are the, the image filter that I was talking about. So I wonder to what extent perspectives is actually going to be something that people search out unless it's like you know thrown into their feed which sometimes it does show up as a carousel but like it's something that people it's not a passive feature at this point yeah i'm fascinated to see what google do with perspectives literally in terms of how they lay it out on the SERP. right you mentioned the pills at the top there they vary from search to search. They vary from query to query. They vary from language to language and country to country as well. Something we were talking about on the episode of Rankable from, from Wednesday just gone was the fact that how much a search query can change the way you interact with SERP and what Google is serving to you. Like I, I've just done a search for best podcasts here just to see what comes up. News is one that comes up. Surprise, surprise. I think we're all familiar with news. You were totally right. The images are like the most common, right? And then news videos yeah sure video i see videos a lot you want to see video content kind of the equivalent of images the next four or five are ones i have never heard of and didn't know were an option and seem very very tailored to the podcast search on spotify is the third pill along then self-help comedy all time then images is like number seven in that row then informative and then storytelling like what a weird mix of sub keyword filtering ability there of like oh yeah i'm specifically looking for self-help podcasts because i want best podcasts i didn't put any genre i didn't put any caveats anything extra i find that fascinating that, that that's what that's come up with where do you think perspectives will settle on the serp do you think it will be like the the future of search as a lot of people are predicting where it's going to like take over the serp and it's going to be the main thing that people do or do you think it's just going to be relegated on slot seven of 10 pills across the the bottom of the search bar or somewhere in the middle like does it hover in a kind of discovery kind of way where some people really do use it and some people don't i wanted it to be like i i, I was as <laughs> bullish as as most folks where i wanted it to be a game because burn the search to the ground <laughs> i mean i so first off it does seem like it's one of the standard there are some exceptions where it doesn't show up but like at this point to your point about the 
the other pills. There's a great deck and a, a great article by Gianluca Fiorelli talking about the messy middle and the way we navigate SERPs and how Google is always trying to try to direct us. I mean, you know this with people also ask where it's like Google is trying to help you figure out what query you're actually asking because a lot of times people, you either don't know what you don't know or sometimes you're just not great at communicating it. So Google's trying to help you out, whether it's refine your search, expand your search, or those pills. Perspectives is really much a staple there. Um, but I just, I think it's in some ways Google's attempt to compete with social networks because over the past couple of years, you see this criticism that like people, you know, search, put a query, and then they'll put Reddit at the end of it because Google's results aren't good enough. And <laughs> perspectives, I feel like, is trying to, to solve that, but it it doesn't because they're like I said, right now there's no rhyme or reason to which perspectives are surfaced at the top. Like it's not just a popularity contest, although through their documentation, Google like kind of implies that the amount of views or popularity of a given Reddit thread or of a given YouTube video will shoot to the top, which makes sense. But I feel like it's it's almost a problematic feature in the first place because <laughs> algorithmically, how is Google going to decide which perspectives are most important? Yeah, that that's an interesting thing, right? And there was an article, um, I think it was Search Engine Journal, might be Search Engine Land, can't remember which one it was, but they were talking about, the, the title was like, how to optimize for Google perspective. And I was like, what the, how do you, how do we even begin to start thinking about that thing? You're totally right. Is that going to be a separate thing? What, what are their new ranking factors for want of a better phrase? Is that, is that even a relevant term in, in that sense? Like, will it prioritize a Reddit thread over a tweet or is it depending on freshness? We, we assume WAT ties in there, right? Cause that is such an integral part of Google's messaging over the last couple of years or so. And now expanding with the experience specifically, you want that, as we were talking about on Rankable, that non-bias first-hand experience. You want somebody to come in with the pros and the cons, not just Jack's coffee is the best coffee and Garrett's coffee is crap. You want to have that full perspective. And I, I wonder like how much of that is going to relate to just like the guidelines for product reviews and stuff like that search rate of guidelines, all that kind of stuff that isn't necessarily directly ranking factors, but affects building the trust of the user and things like that. Do you think that's kind of where perspectives are going? Do you think it leans even more heavily into the EAT side of things? I think it should. <laughs> and I hope it, I hope it does. But I think right now, kind of what we we're discussing in the beginning is I think it's similar to Discover. I think it's it's one of those things that it is very difficult to optimize for. And I think it feels very luck of the draw. I think there's so many factors that could go into it. I know um, one of the people that, that you respect and admire, he mentioned on Rankable, Morty Oberstein, was looking at different results and finding that you would find you know two YouTube videos from the same content creator mm. in a perspective you know, and that there are different ages, like a perspective that was five years ago versus something that's relevant. Now, you can actually use the tools to filter by time, which would be 
you know, one of the use cases I use perspectives for. Yeah. But I think a lot of people yeah. don't know you can just do that on the SERP, right? You have the little tools option in the top right. And I know I've done this a lot for like link building and stuff to see like, oh, what articles have mentioned this particular, what publications have mentioned this topic recently in the last 12 months. You can filter your SERP by what has been published over the last year. How many users actually do that is probably astronomically small because it's only going to be basically professional SEOs or those kind of like power user type people that for whatever reason love interacting with little SERP features and stuff like that. But yeah, I, I wonder like, again, coming around to like YouTube ranking factors and things like that, how long you've been around, how regularly you publish, the length of your videos and stuff like that. That ties into, and the examples I've seen it is like, for want of a better phrase, household names from YouTube. People with millions and millions of subscribers are featured. I have yet to see one where it's just like Jack's Coffee reviews because I'm terrible. I don't particularly drink coffee, so you wouldn't want my reviews. So how do we kind of factor that into our content strategies? I mentioned on Rankable, one of the things I think people need to be doing more of is diversifying their content, right? Creating video versions of your blog posts and audio versions of your video and all this kind of stuff and making sure you're appearing in multiple places, you're able to be shared in multiple places and also making it accessible for people. Do you think that also benefits you from a perspective's point of view? So if I take my blog article and also replicate it as a thread on Twitter, now it's on the social media side of things or post it as a thing on Reddit or Quora or whatever, do you think that's going to become like a, a relevant strategy when Perspectives properly rolls out? I hope so. Okay, so future thinking. You know, Google has put a lot of work from, if we're familiar with MUM, which is, you know, basically the ability to understand different types of modal content. So text, audio, images, video. The idea that Google could understand what's in your video and then use that information potentially to inform perspectives, then you don't necessarily need to just have the focus of your video be exactly what that query is. Hopefully Google can surface. If you have a long form video, you know, 40 minute webinar, but for just one section you're talking about, and maybe, maybe you don't document it well um, in, the, in the description notes. Um, you're talking about what that query is about that would surface in perspectives. But right now, the way that I would approach the filter as an SEO and this is also the curse of, of being an SEO, right? Like we look at search results <laughs> completely different as the average oh, user. Definitely. Like, yeah. You can't turn off that thing in your brain, right? <laughs> you can't. You can it's like it's like when you when you use a product every single day or you know, like software, it's like you can't look at it as a product manager and step away. Like you that's why you always need to do audience research. And to that point, I would use as an SEO perspectives as an audience research tool right now. Basically, I would look for the queries that you're trying to target, put on perspectives, and start to look at what is being surfaced. Like, what is Google determining as an important perspective? Yes, it's probably going to be to some extent a popularity contest, but you can get those clues, you know, of what's surfacing on TikTok, what's surfacing on YouTube. I would actually go to those other platforms and compare and contrast with the same query which is something that's on my agenda to do to really like test that out. Yeah, that's really interesting. I'd love to see the difference. So like you said, take a particular search for perspectives and then throw that exact same query into TikTok, into YouTube. 
does the same video that is featured, is that also the same thing on the other platform? They have different algorithms. We know a lot about TikTok's algorithm. I know a lot of people have been diving into that. I dived into that in an episode last year with Annie May Hodge. We talked about how people are using it as a search engine and coming up fairly soon. I will have Annie May back on to talk more about TikTok. So stay tuned for that. But there's different things. There's a whole different strategy when you're coming to YouTube stuff. People do YouTube full time and there I have entire teams of people, like I said, these these big household names on YouTube, have entire teams of people that are just mapping out, A-B testing their thumbnails and worrying about page titles and descriptions and stuff like that. I'm, I'm sure you've encountered it, Garrett, but you know that you mentioned being able to timestamp particular queries and things. I've, I've recently moved house, bought a house and have to do a load of DIY and I'm absolutely terrible at DIY. So like how to fix leak in toilet and stuff like that. This particular brand of toilet has, I genuinely have a, this is, this is a cry for help. I have a leak in my toilet. <laughs> how do I fix this particular brand of leaky toilet flush system? And there were YouTube clips and it specifically, as you said, picks out the timestamp of like, we believe these 20 seconds of this four and a half minute video are the actual useful information. This will get you the fastest answer as quickly as possible. Granted, that requires things like schema, that requires things like creating timestamps and probably bookmarking YouTube videos. Again, I, those of you out there, I use YouTube all the time. It's like my most used platform for podcasts, long-form videos, short-term videos, all that kind of stuff. I'm pretty much always consuming YouTube stuff. And I really noticed how many people are now doing that bookmarking system and timestamp system. I've started doing it in the podcast show notes. So if you're listening to this on your podcast app, you should notice in there, there will be timestamps in the show description. People do the similar thing on YouTube and you're able to scan through. So there's that argument between like, do you create a longer form piece of content that answers multiple queries and then bookmark them correctly? Do you also then split it out into individual little clips and make them YouTube shorts and TikToks and their own little posts and tweets and stuff? I think it's really interesting you touching on the audience research there because that's another way to find out where your audience are, right? To determine, are they searching on TikTok? Are they searching on YouTube? Does that matter? Is it the same kind of voices on both? Do people, is there a whole community on Reddit you had no idea that is incredibly specific to your industry? It's like, oh my God, yeah, there's a whole how to fix a toilet flush community on tick on uh, Reddit. I had an r slash toilet flush. Who knew? <laughs> it's such a good Reddit. Such a yeah, good Reddit. <laughs> my, my, favorite, my favorite subreddit. But I know Mark has talked about this in, in content strategies, and it's a big reason why we do so well with also asked. Like you said, that people also ask data is so useful. You tend to be able to outrank Reddit posts and threads on forums and stuff because I think the generally accepted theory is that Google would rather rank a, for want of a better phrase, a proper website, an actual article written by somebody who knows what they're talking about, than a forum thread from Quora or Reddit or any of these other community-based forums. Do you think the shift towards perspective, and again, this is all a big if-if perspectives, becomes a big thing? Do you think that affects how that content strategy is being used by people? And like the, the the classic query of here is my question and add Reddit on the end of it to get the direct first-hand information. Do you think that shifts firstly how people search and then how us as SEOs react to that with our content strategy? So I I don't think I don't think perspectives will change the way people search. I do think eventually, and this 
episode isn't about like a you know AI snapshots and SGE. I do think that will potentially change the way people search. But tying this back to the last episode when we were talking about biases and the way people do search and that affecting the results. Um, you know, we gave the example of like, you know, Anheuser-Busch with a controversial, like trying to change audiences from a conservative audience to a more general or even not progressive, but like not only a conservative audience and that the way that people search, the way that they talk will affect those results. I, that's how I would use perspectives is think about these two different queries of, I made this example, you know, on, on the other episode too, of like, is coffee healthy for you versus it un, versus is it unhealthy for you? And you'll see different results. You can use perspectives to see these videos, to see these forums of how people are talking about this query and then include that type of language in your content. Because we do find that Google is continually using what's called the helpful content update to, you know, update the SERPs and and kind of put experience signals into, not as a ranking factor, because I don't want to say like any EEAT is specifically a ranking factor, but it does influence whether your content comes off as helpful, which will help you, you as a topical authority and start to, you know, rank higher for a range of different queries that you're targeting. And so I would say, look at that language that's used in the perspective videos and forums and content for your queries and have that inform the way you speak about what you want to be a topical authority about, specifically for whatever audience you're targeting. I think this is why our two-part podcast crossover works so well, because I think perspectives is almost like the other side of the bias discussion, right? Because the literal definition of a perspective, I, I said the word perspective kind of like up subconsciously on the previous episode because you want to get other people's perspectives about things. You want to get other opinions. You want to, as I was saying, like diversify your audience, diversify the people. Me as a British white guy will not have the same experience as a person of color from somewhere in Europe or a person of color even in the same room as me will have a different experience it's location based it's language based it's race it's color it's religion it's all this kind of different so many different variables and variants and getting different perspectives maybe this is as you said this could be the new big like audience research tool basically rather than the examples i was giving of like literally tweet and say hey people who aren't british white guys how would you feel if i use this language to describe this product or this service Going and using perspectives can literally give us a glimpse into the kind of things, but, and a very big but, it's all based on Google, right? So you're not guaranteed to get a necessarily diverse range of things. So do you think the the kind of responsibility is on Google there to make perspectives even more diverse than the traditional SERP? Or do you think they're kind of equivalent in that sense where does that kind of where does the balance lie i guess is is the question there i think it's an impossible question <laughs> you're welcome, we you're welcome. That's, that's why i'm such a great podcast host <laughs> I know, I know, right? let me let me let me think no i do think the question is and we touched on this right at the end of last week's episode which is the responsibility for social progress and representation and how important that is versus like what Google's 
Google's perspective yeah, there we go. is what we they're... We definitely don't considering... need to make a drinking game out of every time you and I mentioned the word perspective over the last two episodes. People would be absolutely hammered. <laughs> do not. Do not play that game. But... But I think, you know, like the like Google, they used to have like that model of, of don't be evil. But it's like their goal is to, you know, provide the the basic goal is to provide the best answer to the query. And this leads to this issue of like what is best and it's subjective. And even if you're trying to provide different perspectives, you're still basically saying what is the best perspective and that's messed up so it's like they they've they they like put themselves into a hole in the first place because it be, you know when you're ranking something that's subjective and it's by default a ranking of what's subjective you are you're quantifying and qualifying what you consider as best and so i think what's best for society and best for the world is and here I am saying best is <laughs> is providing different perspectives and not having like I think you shouldn't have the same results every time and I know that's impossible but I think the most fair best result for have you tried a thing called Chat GPT Garrett that gives uh, different results every time you search a thing <laughs> That I mean, that's fa that's fascinating. It is fascinating just how like we don't understand large language models of like why it's a probability thing, right? So it's like, but but I you know, and and I'm just having this on the spot, but like my my honest opinion for perspectives, and I don't know if this is the case. I haven't I haven't seen the exact same answer each time I like re refresh a query, but by the the definition of perspectives and the uh, you know the goal to avoid what's considered the best it should be different results every time yeah there i think because it, it directly relates to social media that is something you see that the freshness is the phrase we use a lot when it comes to like as we're saying the traditional kind of content theory but how quickly tweets move and things change on things like tiktok compared to a a typical serp like a lot of SERPs are pretty volatile, don't get me wrong, but if somebody, like a person of authority tweets about a thing and you can't get that on your perspective within a matter of minutes or hours, but that is actually like the new definitive subject matter or whatever it is, I agree with you. Yeah, I think um, maybe that's the big thing that will separate it from the typical 10 blue links on page one is perspectives is a way more up-to-date, way more regularly refreshed kind of option to be like, oh, I need the latest updates. Instead of clicking news, you want it from all the different other places and various sources and all that kind of stuff. If you click perspectives, maybe you get the freshest content and maybe it's not the best because again, as we're saying, who knows what the best is, but it could be the most recent and the most up-to-date and maybe that's an argument for shifting that towards like really topical searches, really incredibly in the moment searches, maybe perspectives could be the way forward for that. I think it's a really interesting idea. And I wonder if that is a conscious thing, because Google often talk about like diversifying the SERPs and making sure the same site doesn't just rank for six out of the 10 slots in page one or whatever. But you do get things like site links. And I think a lot of people, we don't often talk about the literal 
pixel density of a particular result where, oh yeah, you're on the local map pack, you're on the image that's also a ca image carousel there, and you've also got paid, like position one and site links. You're taking up literal more screen space, more screen awareness for the user than anyone else. And I wonder how perspectives will shift around that and will it feature Quora or Reddit or Twitter or YouTube or TikTok or any other number of things? Do you think there's an argument there for kind of what I was saying on Rankable is diversifying your content and really focusing it down into let's do everything video content wise and make it as regular and fresh as possible to get it on things like perspective? But then you also have the chance to rank on the traditional surf, I guess. There's like <laughs> two two sides of the same coin, right? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I mean it's it's interesting in the sense of like I think perspectives would always be a secondary consideration to the point of like it's not something that's gonna be easy to optimize for. And if you're creating content for YouTube and TikTok and even Reddit or whatever, like you're going to specialize for that platform. I think, you know, I think showing up in perspectives specifically is going to be like a bonus, right? Like <laughs> to your point, you should be diversifying your content regardless of whether you're showing up in perspectives anyway, because these are completely different platforms with different audiences and search behavior. I really believe that, you know, you're still going to have 90% of whatever the number is at this point of people who do searches on Google. But different demographics are using these platforms as their go-to search engine. You know, there are times when, you know, I'll go to a specific subreddit if I want to go learn for a niche and I'm not going to look anywhere else unless I, you know, just want more and more and more content. And that's, you know, outdone. Like I'm, I'm a sports fan. So it's like, I'll go to, I've got my, my go-tos, which are, you know, sports Reddit or, you know, sports Twitter for like specific teams or whatnot. Um, I'm not going to Google for that, you know, <laughs> like I'm not, I'm, I'm honestly not even going to YouTube for that. Like I, you know, maybe a little bit, but like, I feel like you're always going to specialize for whatever platform the medium lives on. That said, going back to your point about visibility in search, I think that is very much a active content strategy for SEOs. And, and that's a big part of, of search engine optimization. I think that Google has evolved to continue to become more visual, to continue to surface different types of content from different platforms. and it is your responsibility to, if Google's giving up the visibility on the search by allowing you to show up, you know, three times in three different mediums, absolutely should be a content strategy. And beyond that, I think, you know, like you did the episode recently of your top 10 podcast list, your top 10 SEO podcasts, like, one of which was even rankable, if it's by not, the way, for the record. Which was, <clears throat> I, I appreciate it. It's, it's always the warm, gooey feeling. Like, and we were saying this, it's always support your community. We have such yeah. a great SEO podcast community. Absolutely. absolutely. But I, I digress. It's too easy to go <laughs> tangential with you, sir, because we, 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 you and I, we play off each other. Um, but like showing up, and I've heard, you know, different terms for it, like, barnacle SEO or surround sound mm. SEO, the idea of showing up on different lists or showing up in other people's content to just gain that much more visibility on the serves because it's still a money game. A lot of times, like whoever has the most resources or the biggest will typically win a lot of the 
higher volume search terms. So a long roundabout way of saying, yes, diversify content. Yes, like, you know, get yourself wherever your audience is, is the key. So you mentioned being a sports fan. I know Glenn Gabe talked about this a little while ago. I was talking to him on Twitter and he mentioned how when his son was looking for something baseball related, he went straight to TikTok and Glenn was like, oh my God, I wouldn't even think about doing that. That's such a weird concept to me. It would be, again, us being traditional SEOs, we would go to Google and do the whole thing, but kids don't do that these days. <laughs> <laughs> for, for better and very often for worse in many cases because TikTok content is questionable at times. But what is like the coolest thing you have seen on perspectives that you think you wouldn't have seen otherwise? Is there a particular query or particular, like you said, searching for sports or searching for music or anything like that? Is there anything in particular you think could be really interesting just from a user perspective even trying to again very difficult trying to switch off our seo brains and think like as a user of this thing is it a way to discover new music new tv shows new media across the board what's the coolest thing you've seen that you think you maybe wouldn't have seen on a traditional serp in the same way i'd say i first off as i kind of said at the beginning of this i'm not impressed with perspectives yet. i haven't <laughs> I don't find myself going to it for consumption as of yet any more than like as an SEO. But what's most interesting to me is the fact that A, there are lots of, there are interesting queries that it does not show up for. As an SEO, that fascinates me. So I was curious, one of my initial like research, like kind of experiments was there's this question of like, does every does every perspective deserve to be heard? Which is another problem for Google to decide. You know, you, we met, we've talked about like fake news and misinformation um, on Reichel's podcast. Like, is information that's flat out wrong, that's framed as a perspective? You know, in America, we have our whole free speech, which is like broken our our you know country in a lot of ways. But but I'm not against free speech, like. It, it's a really difficult philosophical and moral issue. Yeah, we have the same thing here in the UK where, especially on things like political talk shows or TV shows or whatever, it's like, well, you need to hear both sides. And maybe sometimes you don't need to hear both sides because one side is trying to just exist and the other side is trying to kill those people and maybe don't highlight them in the same way. Maybe don't give those people the platform. But then again, coming back around to what we're talking about in terms of responsibility, where does the responsibility lie for coming out of like fake news, but like hate speech and stuff like that? Like a huge topic at the moment is trans rights and things like that. Obviously, by the way, trans rights matter, trans lives matter, hugely so. We are. Can't see me. Uh, I just uh, gave a big thumbs up big, on, big on thumbs an up. audio podcast. <laughs> <laughs> that that is straight up. Uh, if you have a problem with that, tough shit. Welcome to Search with Canada. <laughs> and yeah, that is such a hot topic at the moment i'd be really interested to see like how that shifts with with not just with serps but with perspectives especially the the crazy stuff that goes on social media the fact that twitter and, and again we're not getting into a whole political discussion about elon musk we could be here all day but things like that cisgender transgender discussion that's happening on on twitter does that then shift the responsibility to the sites and whether that's a social media platform 
or a blog or a publisher or whatever it is, how much responsibility lies with Google to, as you said, give everybody the equal voice? Like the free speech, digital free speech isn't really a thing because that's not how laws work. But uh, yeah, I don't, also I, I also agree with you that we shouldn't be highlighting hate speech and, and objectively incorrect information despite what happened in the pandemic. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And and to that point, what so what I found with perspective so far is in some situations they avoid they avoid the the question altogether. So like if I looked up both, you know, on the US side, I look up both uh Joe Biden and Donald Trump. Neither one has a perspectives tab on. So so and a lot of politics, I actually did not see a perspectives pill. Um, That's how you get away with not which, commenting is just not providing the option. <laughs> exactly. Which which if there's a, you know probably has the most perspectives in our country at this point. So I was almost surprised about that, but at and and almost kind of disappointed. But I think that's probably the right move. It, it leads to these questions. Like the other one that that caught my attention, I was looking up conspiracy theories. Like you know. Um, a harmless one and a less harmless one uh does atlantis exist which you know if you if you read like carl sabin like categorically no there's no evidence that exists there is there are perspectives on that on the google search query however is the earth flat categorically is not flat <laughs> that there was not a perspectives on that so it's it's interesting to see ultimately to what extent it's manual from google and and you know they they do their best to remove hate speech or spam or you know like unsafe um content or like at least filter it out um and so experimenting with with perspectives to see what you know is limited or not limited or how they handle it is going to be a fascinating thing as an seo that's really interesting i think this is going to be a topic we're going to be talking about for a long time as as a community as the SERPs change we've very briefly touched on the search generative experience that is a whole other topic for a whole other day maybe you and I can carry on on Twitter at some point Karen <laughs> but yeah I think this is this is a really really interesting thing that we're going to have to keep an eye on and how Google shifts what they're serving for what queries and what we can expect as you know, people who are helping our clients create content, who are creating content ourselves, you and I, whether we like to admit it or not, are content creators as we create podcasts and YouTube videos and all this kind of stuff. It seems like a dirty word in 2023 because of certain people that have giving us a bad reputation, but it is a thing I think we need to worry about. And I agree with you, we're not having like a whole perspectives is taking over the SERP kind of thing, but it's an interesting idea. I think it's, I'm, I'm glad Google is trying things that are new and different and bringing some diversity to the SERP in new ways instead of just serving, as we said, the same 10 links every single time on page one. A bit of freshness maybe can give us new perspectives and give, give us new ways to access content. Drink. <laughs> <laughs> cool. So in these early stages then, we'll wrap up with what are your final thoughts kind of a, a a top of the line kind of review of perspective so far i got the impression you're not hugely keen on it but yeah kind of wrap us up with your final thoughts on perspectives as they stand now in june 2023 yes as a, exactly that's a good caveat because you know to your point we didn't mention about 
the AI, Snapchat and generative AI, and whether they'll become more important if we start to see more generated text, you know, come out um, that's not from publishers and we need perspectives. But like, you know, I think it's something to pay attention to, as mentioned, because these are coming from other channels where and other platforms where you're going to tailor your content for those platforms. The biggest thing is to produce content where your audience is. Um, and, you know, if you're just purely an SEO, working with your content team to navigate that together. If you're a full service marketer, if you will, like lifestyle content, whatever, you know, take into consideration how content you produce on other platforms could show up in your perspectives. I don't think it's a game changer, but I think there's a lot of value in the feature that we can surface insights from. Amazing. Fantastic advice there. Thank you, Garrett Sussman, for joining me on Search with Canda. Thank you for doing this double team collab crossover podcast experience. If you haven't already, go and listen to part one of this on the Rankable episode, basically from the previous week. So that came out on Wednesday. This comes out on Monday. So go and subscribe to Rankable and go and check that out. If they haven't already subscribed to Rankable and found you on all the social media stuff, where can they find you around the internet, Mr. Garrett Sussman? Oh man, I am I am a a Twitter guy and a begrudgingly LinkedIn guy, and I'm on the YouTube. So aren't we all? <laughs> oh man, LinkedIn is something. No, but I you know I participate. I I think it's getting better. So uh, fortunately, I got I got a unique name. So Garrett Sussman on both uh, on the Twitters and the LinkedIn's on the iPol Rank SEO uh, channel on YouTube, uh, and and just you know reach out to me GarrettIPolRank.com. Always down to to have a chat and goof off and, you know, who knows, maybe we'll, we'll do some like Reddit channel or discord channel or <laughs> geek out. R slash Garrett Sussman coming soon. <laughs> Dude, super active, super active. Yeah. Ador a full of adoring fans. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually the five other Garrett Sussmans that exist. in. The oh, universe, okay. So okay. Yes. Yeah. It's just a, it's just hey, a, hey, a little club of Garrett's altogether. Exactly. We don't have one. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining me, Garrett. It's been an absolute pleasure to have a two-part conversation with you across both Rankable and Search with Candor. A little bit of a dream come true. Thank you so much for having me, Jack. This, I mean, y'all, go back, watch all the episodes of Search with Candor. Jack is, follow him on Twitter, man. Like, you are, <laughs> you are such a fun follow. <laughs> <laughs> I don't talk that much about SEO, I feel. I feel like I should probably up my SEO tweeting game at some point, but... If you want to hear about a bunch of other stuff I'm interested in, come and follow me on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for having me, man. This has been awesome. Thank you so much. Well, that wraps up this two-part podcast crossover spectacular. Thank you so much to Garrett Sussman. Like I said, one of my favorite podcasters in SEO. Hopefully you enjoyed Garrett being on the other side of the microphone and being interviewed on Search with Canda. And if you haven't already, I really, really do implore you to go and check out part one of our conversation where the tables were turned and I was on Garrett's Rankable podcast last week. Of course, I will put a link for that in the show notes so you can go and check out part one as well. They do work as standalone episodes as well, so it doesn't massively matter which order you listen them in, but I would recommend definitely going and checking out. We're talking all about biases in organic search and is Google bias, basically, was the big question we sought to answer. And in short, spoiler alert, yes, I think it is. I'll be back next week. I'll be talking to the one and only Ryan Jones from seotesting.com. 
all about SEO testing. What is SEO testing? What are types of SEO testing? What is best for you? Should we be doing it for a long time or a short time, testing it across the site or small, pe- small pieces of the site at a time? I was full of questions and Ryan, thankfully, was full of answers. So if you want to learn about A-B testing, split testing, time-based testing, time-sensitive testing, all this kind of stuff around testing and SEO, tune in next week for my conversation with Brighton SEO speaker, Nottingham Digital Summit speaker, the fantastic Ryan Jones. Mark and I will be back at the end of July, so in about four weeks' time or so, three and a half, four weeks' time, for another live stream. If you haven't checked out the live streams already, please do go to the Systrix YouTube channel and check that out. Of course, links will be in the show notes, as always, to go and check that out. If you'd like to follow me on social media stuff, I am JLW Chambers or Jack Chambers Ward on LinkedIn if you want to come and follow me there. If you have any questions, if you'd like to come on the show, if you have something interesting to talk about. And yeah, I'm always open for conversation, basically about podcasting, about SEO, anything like that. So thank you so much for listening, and I will see you next week. Have a lovely week.